Welcome to Love Unlocks Live Sessions. It's Tuesday and it's a whole new year with a whole new season of Love Unlocks. Thank you for joining us from wherever you are today. Please let us know where that is from. I would love to know. Uh, our guest today comes all the way from Manchester in the UK. So I really hope we have a couple of people from the UK online. It'll be so great. If you're here for the first time, Love Unlocks Live Sessions is all about chatting to people with amazing stories of how God's love has unlocked their lives. And it's brought to you by our ministry called Love Key. Uh, so I, I hope you can see the connection there. <laughs> we, uh, we love to see how God's love unlocks our lives and to hear those stories because I want you to know that God can unlock anything in your life from the moment of salvation to whatever you may be struggling with or going through and uh, our guest today is going to share some amazing stories from her life with regards to that. Thank you for joining us. Please tell us where you're logging in from. Uh, please tell us how you're doing and as we are talking today, please feel free to comment and ask questions. I'll, I would love for this to be as interactive as possible. And uh, I just quickly want to tell you about our, our Love Key ministry as well. We recently launched a church called Love Key Church at the end of last year. Yes, I know it sounds a little crazy, but uh, God tends to ask us to walk on water. And this is us walking on water. We're very excited about it. God has been doing some amazing things in our little church and we're excited for the future. At the moment, we have to meet online. So you can join us on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock on our Love Key Church Facebook page or on my Facebook page and also on my YouTube channel. Pretty much the same platforms that you're on right now. And uh, I would love to ask for you to, uh, to subscribe, to like, and to share wherever you are on, whichever platform you're on. And I'd also like to know, you to know that after this session, we put this as a podcast on all the well-known pod, uh, uh, podcast platforms like uh Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all those things. So you can also listen to this session and the ones we've had before. So that's enough of that. Oh, cool. We've got some people online telling us where they're from. Jeffreys Bay, Somerset West. That's so cool. Port Elizabeth, uh, Sandriff Milneton. Uh, hello, Sharon, logging in for the first time. Welcome. Nordica from Johannesburg. Ashley from Manor Gardens. Tian from, from Eitenhage, uh, or like the English people say, Jutenag. <laughs> uh, we've got Marie-Laurence Humbe. I can't say that right. <laughs> uh, greetings from Mozambique, from Mariska. So glad to see you. Uh, hey, Brian. Hey, Sharon. So good to see everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Without any further ado, I would love to introduce my guest, Last year, at the end of last year, in my last Love Unlocked session, I spoke to her husband. They are this amazing power couple who loves Jesus and want to see their city changed for the kingdom of God. And today I kick off the new year with uh, the beautiful Sophia Barrett. Please welcome her all the way from Manchester, UK. Woohoo! Welcome, welcome. Oh, it's great to be with you, Heinz. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. How are you doing? How is your church doing? How have you guys been dealing with this lockdown? Then it's locked, then it's not locked. I mean, it's been crazy for you guys as well. Yeah, we've been calling this particular lockdown, lockdown 3.0 because it's our third. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's challenging, crazy times. I think we can all agree that yeah. this is um, crazy and challenging all at the same time but we are grateful that at this very moment we are able to open as a church and actually have people come in physically as well as online um, albeit socially distanced but okay. it's just it is a major thing that we can still open our doors that's wonderful. I'm so glad to hear that for you guys. That's great. Yeah, we, we were open for a while with limited numbers and then they, they locked it down again because there was a surge and a new strain of the virus. So yeah, it's been interesting. And now we're all kind of waiting with bated breath for the 15th of Feb. Apparently that'll be, you know, our new time for news. So we'll see what happens. Um, but anyway, I'm so glad you're here and uh, so glad that you made time. Thank you very, very much. Um, in this uh, program, uh, I don't know if your husband told you, but uh, we do some getting to know you questions and then uh, we move on to a bit more of the, the serious stuff. So 
for now, I would just love for you to to share a little bit about um, you. How, I, I would love to know, hear your side of the story. I've heard Glenn's side of the story and how you guys met and uh, how, how that all happened. That you the, the falling in love, the you know who who popped the question when, uh, how long did it take from meeting till till all that stuff. I I know now, but there may be some people online that don't. So please share your story from your side. <laughs> Well, I met Glenn in, I think it was 1991. So, yeah, we met We met way back. Um, I was living in a town called Toowoomba, and I had no idea that a few years previously uh, his father had actually pastored the church that I was attending. And so all I know is that one day this this young guy comes um, into the church and the senior pastor that we had at the time invited him on stage to say hello to the church because a lot of the the older members of the congregation would still remember his parents and okay. him as a young boy. Yeah. And I remember that he grabbed the mic and he was like, greetings, church. I bring, um, I bring love from my mum and my dad and... I don't know, it was something about his confidence that totally grabbed me and I remember looking at my mum going, who is that? <laughs> uh, awesome. But it wasn't plain sailing. Um, I found out that he was actually a little bit younger than me and I dismissed him oh, yeah? for a long time. Yeah. Okay, okay. How, how, and, much, um, younger? how much younger? Well, I think Glenn's about 20 months younger than me. Oh, that's not and, that bad. Come on. Yeah, but I, had, I had one one of those things where I had a rule that I was uh, never going to date somebody who was younger than me. Okay. So I kind of no. I want to, you know, I want a partner. Not I don't want to be a babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> so anyway, it took me a while to get over that, and um, and here we are. The rest is history. That's amazing. I love it, and. Um, Glenn mentioned this. I remember you mentioning it well. It's when you read your profile on your church's website, it's mentioned. Uh, you've got quite an interesting uh, cultural background. Grew up Chilean. You spent time in Australia. You're living in the UK now. Um, you know, you, you've had quite a quite a rich uh, exposure to different countries and cultures. Uh, how, how? Which? Which is your favorite? And. Uh, what would you call your accent right about now? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's still very Australian. I think okay. I came to the UK a little bit too late in my life to actually get my, um, yeah. my accent changed. But, yeah, no, my parents are Chilean and immigrated to Australia where I was born. And so I've had a, mix, a mixture of Aussie culture, Chilean mm. um, parents. And so, really, I don't think... I kind of fit anywhere. It's kind of like a mix, and um, I did those. Um, I did that DNA test. Oh yeah. And it's even more mixed than I thought because oh, wow. I've got about fifteen different like areas of the globe in my blood. So that's so cool. I think I just belong to the world, Heinz. That's what it is. And and I think we all uh, are in some way uh, a cocktail of the world. <laughs> sure. Definitely, yeah. No, that's that's yeah. amazing to find that stuff out. And you guys have two beautiful kids. I've got some pictures here. Um, they they are obviously you know the pride of your life in a big way. And uh, they they tell us more about them. What do you? How do you see them? What do you think of when you look at them? What word comes to mind for each of them? Oh, gosh, I think joy is the word that comes to mind. They are an absolute joy. Not to say that they don't try my patience on a <laughs> daily basis. Oh, um, wait, so, so that doesn't stop after a certain age? No. <laughs> I've got four and they're it. under 11 years age and it's, yo, it's hectic. <laughs> yeah, no, wait till the teenage years. Oh, my it's, word. Uh, Okay, I'm going to ask you for some advice later. <laughs> <laughs> but joy, they are an absolute joy to Glenn and myself. I just, can... oh, I, I, it's, words fail me. I just uh, couldn't imagine life with, without them. They are a light in my life. So, What do you, what do you see on uh, Jaden's life when you look at, 
at at, the, at, at this age, um, when you look at it. Jaden is my son and he's oh, 17. Sorry. The son, yeah. <laughs> yeah, bad. so he's, he's 17 and he is, um, he is Mr. Personality. So I don't really know. I know, obviously, we know that the hand of God is on our children's lives. Um, so how that unfolds, I'm not quite sure. But, um, yeah, he's got a lot of um, humour, a lot of wit, um, a lot of cheekiness. I wonder where he gets that from. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people say that he's a mini-me of Glenn, so. Okay, makes sense. We'll see. We'll see what he comes up with. And Georgia? And Georgia. She's just, well, both of them I can see leadership on their lives. Um, I think another word for leadership is bossy. So um, (laughs) I can see she's she's. Amazing. She's creative. She's um, she's strong, and um, it's a joy. Actually, she's twenty years old now. It's starting starting to see her unfold. Um, you know her God purpose. So yeah, that's fun to be um, to have that kind of you know front row seat to see what God's doing in and through their lives. Wow, They're brilliant. And uh, have they have they had any moments like you had way back when you saw Glenn? Have they seen anyone that they went, "Mom, who's that?" Any one of them? Hopefully <laughs> not yet. I don't know if my heart can take it, Holmes. I think I'm not ready. I'm not ready. So oh my word! I'm sure, I'm sure it'll happen. Just uh, not right now. Well, she is twenty. You know, it's. Uh, Oh, that's amazing. Sure. Yeah, they, they're amazing. They look beautiful. I wish I could meet them one day, hopefully soon. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Yeah. Oh, man, I love it. I just, we, we love families. We love seeing families do well, seeing marriages do well. I really think that that's such a, a big part of um, what church is about, should be about. And if we nurture that, then, you know, there's so many other things that, that fall into place. So, Thank you for uh, just being ex- an example and raising such world shakers. It's really cool to to see that. Uh, really inspiring. Um, I I I always have to ask this question, uh, because you know I just feel like it it helps us all to uh, to just become a little bit more humble and see each other on the same playing field. <laughs> so yeah, would you please share? One or two of your, what you would regard to be one of your most embarrassing moments, preferably on stage somewhere with lots of people. (laughs) Do you have any of those? Embarrassing moments. I'm sure that I've done my fair share of faux pas, which we absolutely live for. Um, But um, I'm... Glenn had, Glenn had a few good ones. Yeah, no, he's got he's got loads. He's got loads. You're a bit more but composed. He's on, he's on the stage a lot more than I am. Oh, okay. um, so I remember once I came um, from a flight from Australia straight to church. So I flew all the way from Australia, which is a good 24-hour flight. Yeah. Um, and then I went straight to church, and they had me on the stage, and I was incredibly jet lagged. And they put me on announcements of all things. Oh. And so apparently, I was on stage, and I'm there, you know, hey church, you know, so don't forget about this, and we've got this, and da 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 da. And I managed to get through it, but then I froze, and. It had already moved on to what was happening next, but I was still on the stage when I should have got off. <laughs> and all the guys on the front row were going, <laughs> You're done. You're done. I was so done, like in terms of exhausted. I can imagine. And the microphone went, Help me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So, Come up and get me off the stage. You needed one of those one of those big sticks with the hook. That's the, it. The That's head it. on the That's old it. days, like so. Someone help Sophie. Let's just get her off the stage. <laughs> get her off the stage. But I couldn't do it. Just like help me. But um, that was that was probably one of the funniest things. Another thing that I did on stage. I don't know if Glenn um, shared this with you. Is that it was my first dedication by myself. Okay. So. Um, for those who don't know what a dedication is, is when 
couples come with their newborn babies yeah, or their yeah. young babies and we dedicate them in front of the church back to God and it's a big, beautiful moment. And um, so I was, you know, really focused and I said, right, I need to remember everybody's names because you don't just have to remember the parents' names, you have to remember the child's names, grandparents, godparents. It's a lot of names to remember. And I was like, okay, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. And I managed to get through it without a mistake, Heinz, without a mistake. Wow. And then all I had to do was turn to Glenn on the front row and say, I'm just going to hand over to my husband, and instead of saying Glenn, I said, right, church, I'm just going to hand over to my husband, Dave. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, the church just erupted. Glenn's looking at me like, what is that? Is brilliant. I'm oh shocked. Oh, my Who's Dave? <laughs> <laughs> Was one of the people... From the family of the baby getting no. dedicated called Dave. Not even. No. That would Not have even. made sense in a way. I know, it would have made sense. It, there oh, was no, no reason. There's no reason. So I just looked <laughs> Dave, Dave, come on, come on up, Dave. And um, Glenn. Glenn must have made, he, I, I'm sure he didn't let that go for a long time. <laughs> no, he just got up on stage and went, thanks very much, Sonia. And, uh, <laughs> Dave and Sonia. Dave and Sonia. Yeah. Well, at least he kind of stuck to the first letter and second letter of your name. <laughs> I know, I just made up a name. That was amazing. Oh, man. It, it reminds me of a little joke my parents have. They, um, it happened more than once, which is really weird, that they came to a work function of my dad's, and then the, the name next to my dad's name would be, my, my mom's name is Elsa, and then there would be another name, Wendy, next to my dad's name. But it happened more than once. After, after a while, it started looking like these guys were trying to prank my dad or something. But my mom would go, who's Wendy? <laughs> <laughs> so that was like a standing joke, you know, if something goes wrong or something goes, like someone goes, no, it's just, it was Wendy, you know. She, yeah, we, right. we just blame, you can just blame Dave for everything, you know, in your life. Yeah, that's, right. <laughs> that's amazing. Listen, I, I remember meeting you guys for the first time at Anthony Liebenberg's church, Seapoint, Life Church, Seapoint. And by the way, he sends his love. And I told them you're on the program today. And, yeah, uh, to back to them. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, what an amazing man of God. And uh, But I just had such a great time meeting you guys, connecting with you for the first time, hearing you guys preach. It was, so, oh, was life-changing for me. Um, I wanted to ask you what – you've obviously been here a few times – what would you, when you tell people about South Africa, what what stands out for you that you always mention about your experiences here? Oh, gosh. It's beautiful. I suppose physically it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely a big standout. You know, the culture is completely different, even though we share the same language. Mm. You know, you do get that sense of your history and how that is still being, you know, processed and played out, um, yeah. uh, you know, today in the present. But also I encountered incredible faith. And I think that when um, South Africans really grab hold of the truth of Jesus, um, it is a, you know, they really, they really have incredible um, ability to believe um, big and to just, yeah, I, I think I've just seen incredible faith when I, when I go to South Africa. And every time that I'm there, I just, I feel very accepted, very welcomed, very loved. And, yeah, South Africans have a real dear place in my heart for sure. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Thank you. And I, I hope things open up soon so you guys can come and visit us again. That'll be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. And we can come visit you. I would love to do that as well. So I've never been to uh, to Manchester, so one day, one day. It's, part of, it's, on, the, it's on the list. <laughs> you, you and your husband get to minister together, obviously on a weekly basis at your home church, but you also, you know, before all this craziness, used to travel together a lot. Um, how, how do you... How do you manage that as a married couple? What what do you what do you guys tell each other? Okay, this is kind of my thing and this is your thing. Or how do you find a a balance between work and home life when you basically do everything together? 
That's a good question, and I think we work at it because um, because we work differently. Um, you know, Glenn's way of doing work and doing home is different to way to the way I do work and home. I think it's very, um, you know, along the lines of Glenn can be very compartmentalised. Mm. I'm more, you know, everything is part of everything. And so I don't have the same, the same ability to switch off that he does. So that's definitely been something that we've had to work at, you know, so that I can respect the way he works, but he can also understand the way I work. And I think when the children were younger, um, I definitely didn't travel as much with him as I, you know, do. I can do now, although we are not travelling anywhere at the moment. Yeah. But it's definitely, you can feel that season when the children are slightly older and they can look after themselves for a little bit longer. Okay. That, you know, we started to travel a little bit more. But for me, home family is important. Yeah. Like super important. So I, I'm always watching what is happening, um, what do the kids need, what does home need, um, is everything okay, and um, I will make decisions on the basis of is, is everything okay at home? Do the kids need me? Do I need to be away or can I go away? You know, all of that. If home is okay, and we've also always said this, Glenn and I, if him, if he and I are okay and if home is okay, then everything's good. It doesn't yeah. matter if the sky is falling down, everything is good. That's great. Yeah, and, and like you said, it takes work. You, I like to start it out by saying you, we work at it because I also find that that is such an important uh, attitude to have and to to stay alert in a way to, you know, those things and to know that it's it's fluid and it's dynamic and it's organic, but there's a there's a thing that, that keeps you together. For, for me and my wife, I, there's many things we don't agree about, but the, the most important things we agree – on and that's what gives us a foundation that we work from and the yeah, rest and we figure out yeah. as we go yeah I would agree with that but also I would I would say that even as you get a little bit more um you know like the, the longer you're married the more you can take each other for granted and so you almost have to work on another level yeah not to do that and to keep the communication lines open and sometimes that uh, is not easy, but it's definitely necessary. Yeah. And you reap the rewards of making sure that you are you are nurturing and and keeping on top of your of your communication and relationship. That's so true. And I, I, I could imagine that the, with the two of you, and this is now me speculating, that there must be a lot of laughter and joking around as, as a married couple because you both are quite funny <laughs> as, as speakers and communicators. So I can only imagine the kind of jokes that are thrown around. <laughs> and I find that, you know, the, the couple that laughs together stays together. I think there's a big thing in that. Would you agree? Oh, for sure. I think you have to make sure that you are not so stressed or so overworked or so, you know, under mm. pressure. That because the first thing to go is the laughter. Yeah. And I think that, you know, making those whatever adjustments you need to make, either go away or um, or delegate or reassess, restructure, whatever you need to do to make sure that you keep that that laughter, uh, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. I love it. Do you if you look at what you've already done in with your life in your life which you've achieved and you think of the the years you have ahead what do you still go man i still want to achieve this so this is still a life dream or maybe more than one that you would like to see happen in your lifetime what would that be oh i think when we came i mean when i became a christian i was 17 or just before i was 16 and um I just want to tell people about the love of God, tell people about Jesus. Mm. And then when Glenn and I moved to England um, nearly 25 years ago, um, as a newly married couple, the vision was, the dream was to see a, a generation rise up that would believe that God could do great things and that, you know, it would, it, they would be, 
believing in a big God, but also believing that they could do big things. And we had this dream that this a generation would rise up within the UK and affect the whole of the UK, but also into Europe. I still, I still have that in my heart. I still haven't seen what I want to see. And I'm still with Glenn working to that end. And maybe it's, a, it's something that we won't see in fulfillment that our children will see or our children's children, but that is the dream. I love it. That's so good. Uh, Glenn said that you, you, you've got this uh, almost a summary in one line of your vision for your church that you want to, you want to be the church that stops traffic. <laughs> that's right. I love that. That's really powerful. And, 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 and I think that's such an, uh, if you don't dream big, you're not going to achieve anything, but if you dream big, you can achieve maybe half of that. And then your kids can stand on your shoulders or the people you disciple can stand on your shoulders and they can take it further. So yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome. I love that. Um, nation changes. City, city changes. I love it. That's so good. You, you mentioned uh, when you got saved as a young girl at 17. Um, I would love to hear that story. Would you please share your, your coming to Jesus moment? Because that's actually a big part of why we do these sessions is to hear those stories. Uh, and then obviously I know about your, your big testimony around the book you have, Stay. And I'd like to get to that as well. But please lay the foundation for us. Where did it all start for you? So um, let me take you back to um, Australia in the 80s. I, was, I grew up and I was born and raised in Sydney. Mm. And I, um, to Chilean parents in Australia and um, happy childhood. Um, but as I got into my teenage years, I started to really look for meaning and purpose and, and truth, I think although I probably wouldn't have used those words. But I think as I looked around as a teenager, I just was profoundly disappointed. I just didn't see any meaning to anything. I didn't see any meaning to my education. I didn't see any meaning to what my friends were doing for fun. I didn't see any meaning in, in you know, and I had no purpose. I had no aim. So what am I supposed to do now? I'm supposed to find a career. I'm supposed to, you know, find a relationship. I'm supposed to have, I, d I just couldn't work it out. It didn't make sense to me. Sure. It was like pieces of a jigs jigsaw puzzle that was just, you know, had no picture. Mm. And, um, and then my parents got divorced and I became a statistic of mm. I broke home. Yeah. And um, I think my home, my, my family was my security. It was my oasis from the crazy world that, you know, I couldn't make sense of. And then that was gone. Mm. And then it was like I was completely lost. And um, my mum divorced my dad and, and then she remarried. And, um, and then my mum got a bee in her bonnet, as we say, that she just said, well, I'm going to take you guys to church. And we had a Catholic education but never really were churchgoers. And um, all of a sudden my mum's dragging us to different denominations of Christian churches. And I remember thinking, this is weird. I don't want to be here. This is awful, boring. I just, you know, it was terrible. But I didn't know that God had spoken to her. And she had her own moment with God saying, um, God said to my mum when she was a, when she was about to go out for a run, he, she heard a voice say, how long are you going to be the only God that your children know? Mm. And he, wow. the voice said, get them to church and teach them about me. Wow. So I didn't know that. I was just a teenager being dragged to church. Yeah. And, uh, all of a sudden I went to a, a church that was probably the most, you know, unlikely place that anybody would be inspired about Jesus. Okay. A young British couple with three young children in a, an old school hall that was dusty and musky and with chairs and an overhead projector with the word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
wife cool. played guitar and um, the husband did what we called, I don't know if you know this, the Pentecostal two-step <laughs> And I'm a teenager yeah, thinking, yeah, yeah. this is not cool. What is happening? This, yeah, exactly. Just get me out here. <laughs> um, but then he preached the gospel, preached about Jesus, preached about the love of God expressed through the cross, and something happened times, mm. and I was just... I just had an encounter. I just realized that God loved me, that he died for me, and I I was shocked. And I said, what do you want? What do you want from me? And just that, I want your heart. Mm. I want I want your life, and I want you to know me. And I was like, after a little bit of a wrestle, I went, done. This makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. I'm going to make a mess of my life. What It makes sense to give my life to the one who gave me life, created me. Yeah. And I, and apparently I walked out of that church service, looked at my mom and said, I know who I am. I know why I'm here. Hmm. I'm here to tell people about Jesus. Yeah. And uh, I've, that's never changed. Hmm. I love that. How, how long was it after that that you, that you met your, your husband? Was it shortly oh, after so- that? You still early twenties. No. Oh, okay, all right. No, I met Glenn when I was twenty-three. Oh, so. wow. about six, six years, years a Christian. Wow. Okay, that's amazing. Wow, yeah. what a powerful story. And as you said, you know, there's been ups and downs since then. Um, you know, I think people often think that when you give your life to Jesus, it's just going to be an easy, easy ride. Everything's going to be great. But I, I found the opposite to be true in my own life, and I'm sure you've had your your ups and downs and. And I, I want you to skip ahead to to what your book is all about. You've got an amazing book called Stay. Um, I was very privileged to hear you speak on that. And uh, my wife read the book. Yes, beautiful. Uh, I also made this, just so you can see. Look at that. Hey, yeah. <laughs> so um, obviously your your story your story with Jesus started. You know that day you gave your heart to Him, and and you've been you went through a lot of stuff. You married became a pastor, leading people, and then something happened and it, it, it changed so many things. Please tell us about that. Yeah. Um, I, I moved to England 25 years ago and we were part of a church team in Sheffield with um, some, uh, some pastors, our pastors, um, David and, and Jenny Gilpin, and then they released us to do Audacious Church in Manchester, which is mm. now years old. But when we were about maybe two years old, um, one one night I just stopped sleeping and I couldn't sleep um, from then on. And um, it, um, yeah, there's a reason why they, they use sleep deprivation as a form of torture. Sure. It is in- Incredibly um, debilitating. I was incredibly afraid because I didn't really know why I was going through what I was going through. Not only that, but I, Glenn and I had taken the <laughs> the decision to homeschool our children, which um, the whole yeah. world is pretty much homeschooling at the moment. <laughs> but, yeah. um, back in those days, I was pretty much on my own um, with two young children in primary school and yeah. I was trying to to teach them, you know, maths, English, you know, basics. Mm. But I wasn't sleeping. And not only that, but I was starting to um, shake uncontrollably um, during the day. And it just took me out, really, it took me out. And it took me a few months to to really realise um, what I was going through. I remember I thought that this was a bad thing and that, you know, this was the enemy and I needed to rebuke it and I needed to get out of it. I need to fix it. Mm. And I remember that um, a friend of mine said, you know what, I think God is in it, Soph. And I just, um, that caused me to just change my perspective. Mm. And instead of trying to get out of it, I thought, well, Lord, if you are here and you are with me, then I'm going to embrace this, whatever it is. 
I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to find you here and I'm going to learn whatever it is that I need to learn. Um, I later found out that it was chronic sleeplessness and that my body was um, very low in a hormone called serotonin. Mm. And, um, and what it was doing is that instead of injecting serotonin into my system in order to allow me to sleep, it was injecting adrenaline instead, which was causing me to, you know, feel like I could run a race right oh, before bed. Wow. Caused my body to shake uncontrollably. Hectic. And I was just a, I was just so, I was fragile. I was crying all the time. I mean, I had no ability to hold myself together. Mm. And so um, I had to walk that through in front of my church. And so that was fun because I would come to church, I would be at front, the worship would start. And then as soon as the worship started, I would be in floods of tears in the front row. Mm. You know, the preacher would preach, he would call it, you know, for people to respond as we do in our style of church, we would come forward and I would be the first one at the front on my knees. Um, I just needed the Lord. And then a friend friend of mine um, introduced me to the discipline of meditating in God's presence. Mm. And um, the doctors wouldn't give me any medication and I was trying to avoid going on antidepressants. And my friend said to me that uh, he was a psychologist and he said, um, so if if you embrace the discipline of meditating in God's presence on a regular basis for prolonged periods of time, he said, I think we might be able to avoid medication. Mm. And so this discipline, biblical meditation of just spending prolonged periods of time not praying, not worshipping, not speaking necessarily, literally just looking and enjoying and being impacted by the presence of God for a prolonged period of time became my medicine. Mm. It became my, my daily dose of, of, you know, of whatever medication I needed. And over time, I wouldn't say it was suddenly, it was over time, maybe 8, 10, 12 months I started to see change and I started to sleep a little bit more and a little bit longer. It wasn't perfect. It was probably a two-year period before I felt like more back to normal. Mm. But um, that became the key um, in me actually finding healing. But it also transformed me, transformed my my whole uh, outlook, it, it, my personality, it it changed me, transformed me. So I'm I am not the same woman today that I was before. Can I ask in what way do you feel it changed the most? I had lots of insecurities that I I coped with. Mm. I had lots of um, you know negative messages that I had picked up through my childhood, through my teenage years, and that I had, I had come to believe. And so there was many things about what God said to me or God said in his word that I thought I believed, but I really didn't sure. because they, they didn't affect me. Mm. I, it was like I knew them, but I still held on to these messages that I'd picked up through different circumstances in my life and they were stronger than what God was saying. Mm. So as I meditated in God's presence, as I meditated on his truth, they, those truths became stronger and my insecurities and negative beliefs began, became weaker and until they no longer influenced me. Mm. That's so powerful. There's two, there's two things that stand out for me about your your testimony. The the one is the the idea that we need to be aware that when we go through stuff that we see as bad, it's not necessarily only the enemy or only our own bad decisions that that made that happen. It could actually be God. And I know there's a lot of Christians that take offense when when I say that. I've a couple of months ago, I, I felt God take me on a journey about this question about what is good and what is bad according to Him. 
and and I realized uh, quite a few things. And he took me to quite a few scriptures that I never read before, <laughs> or I'd, I I just didn't read the right way. Um, and and I and I realized that you know there's a whole different perspective to good and bad. And one of the biggest things that God showed me is that even as a as a parent, there are things that my children, in the way we run our house, you know they think it's bad or they don't like it or it's uncomfortable or just, you know, they, they really don't enjoy it. But I know as a parent with perspective uh, that it's good for them. And so it's, it's some of that stuff that, that I started journeying with. And, and your, your testimony is, is a big confirmation in that. And I think God just loves us so much that, you know, sometimes he will allow certain things that, that bring us closer to him. Because maybe otherwise we would never have done that. Or he wants to accelerate something in our lives so that, you know, we, we get to that point. And we've all heard the testimonies of, you know, I had this problem and God fixed it and I was healed in an instant. But we don't often hear the stories of it actually took time. It took some time because I was working through stuff and I was getting, you know, so I think a lot of people find encouragement in that in your story. Because maybe even there's this thing of, a stigma if you're a Christian and you don't get healed immediately, you know, that people may struggle with. Uh, would you agree with that, what I'm saying? Heinz, I would say that we have a wrong view of suffering. Yeah. And I think that um, we can clarify that God doesn't, he's good. He's always good. Mm. He always does good. But we live in a broken world. And he will, he, there will, there will be times when he does the suddenlies where, you know, it's, it's overnight and it's miraculous. Mm. But um, the Bible talks about suffering a lot. It talks to, you know, Jesus says, you know, in this world, you will have trouble, but be of good courage because I have overcome the world. I don't think um, anywhere he promises a carefree, easy Mm. life. In fact, he says, Consider it pure joy when you, you know, encounter trials. And he said, because that's actually going to make you strong. Mm. It's going to make you mature because you're going to have to fight the fight of faith. And I think that um, I've come to understand that although he may not be the author of suffering, my gosh, he will will use it. And Mm. Romans says that he will train us. He will discipline us. He will cause our, you know, the Bible talks about our arms to be strengthened, our legs to be strengthened so that we can stand when the storms come. Mm. Those who have never suffered, those who have been, you know, wrapped up in cotton wool or in, in bubble wrap, don't get strong. But the ones that have had to press in, the ones that have had to believe when everything else looks you know, to the contrary of what God is saying. That's what strengthens us. That's what puts, you know, steel in our backbone so that we can weather the storm and we will not be shaken. But it is it is a proper, what we need is to revise how we view suffering as Christians. I totally agree. And is, is that something that, that you go into a bit more depth in your book? It's something that I would like to go into a little bit more depth. Okay. So um, I think we can, I think my book is an illustration of a storm and um, and that, do you remember the storm where um, Peter gets out of the boat? Yeah. It always interests me that God doesn't take away the storm. <laughs> he allowed it. Yeah. And it's only when the disciples see him yeah. that he comes near and he says, take courage, I'm here, mm. do not be afraid. Mm. It's like, hey, this storm is happening. This is hard. Yeah. You have been afraid. You thought you were going to die. But it's a storm's actually irrelevant because all you need to know is that I'm here. You don't have to be afraid and you can have courage. And then Peter gets out of the boat and comes towards him walking on the water. And it's my, it's my um, what do you call it, conviction that God actually wants to train us to walk on the very things that would seek 
to take us out. So although that circumstance of chronic sleeplessness could have taken me out, Mm. could have taken me out of the ministry, could have taken me out of maybe my relationship with God because what? Why would God let, let me go through that? But instead I was able to find him, to, you know, to spend that time with him so that he could train me to walk on top of it. That's the Christian's um, inheritance. That's that's the life of a Christian. Never to be afraid of the storm, but to learn to find him in it and walk on top of it. Oh, that's so powerful. Thank you for that. Um, and, and I think we all find ourselves in some kind of storm in this weird year we've had. Um, and it's there's, yeah. there's like a... There's a broader storm that has hit everybody, and then there's each and every one, every individual facing their own personal storm, on top of you know this global storm. So, uh, how would what would your message be to the church, meaning Christians, people who believe in God at this time, here in South Africa, there where you are, no matter where they're listening from, um, what would your your main message be to the church at this time? Exactly what Jesus said to the disciples in the storm. Take courage. I'm here. Mm. Do not be afraid. I mean, take courage. Let everybody else be afraid. Let everybody else, you know, um, who don't know Jesus, you know, succumb to the the doom and the gloom and the and the fear that that is on our news and and you know all. Everywhere we look, there's fear, but not you. If you have a relationship with God, you can take courage because Jesus is with you right there and you can find him in it. Mm. So my, my, my encouragement is find him in the storm, listen to what he is saying, believe what he is saying, and then stand firm. Stand firm on what he says. Because even though everything else is shifting, his word never shifts. It's the rock on which we stand. And, you know, we can be buffeted by waves and and the wind. We'll not be moved. We will not be shaken. But I read um, the account of um, Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament that when God says to him, it's one of my favorite accounts, because God says to him, well, God, he seeks the Lord. Mm. He gets the word of the Lord. Then the the Lord says, stand firm and see that I'm going to fight for you. Mm. And then he says, go out and meet your enemy. And this is my encouragement, that take courage because standing firm on God's word doesn't mean standing still. And I love the fact, Hines, that you have launched something. You've launched a church in lockdown. (laughs) That's what what we do. Yeah. forward even though people are saying that we have to stay still yeah but standing firm on god's word is not the same as standing still no we can go forward Mm. and face the enemy and we can overcome the enemy and we can actually see growth increase healing hope wholeness you know everything that our god is in this season Preach it, sister. I love it. I love I love that passage. There's a line uh, when it talks about that story when they actually go to to into battle um, to stand, and then it says they they send out the the Levites first to worship, and they say they they worshipped the beauty of His holiness, worship the beauty of His holiness, and it says, and then the Lord came upon the enemy and con- caused confusion, and they killed themselves, and they didn't even have to fight. But I just, that thing, and that for me connects with, with your message to, to stay. Stay in God's presence. Stay in that moment. Let Him, let him complete His work within, within all of us. Um, and and, and you, you guys have done something amazing. I, I wasn't aware of it until this week. Uh, that I want to show them quickly here on your website. Uh, you, you've, apart from the book, you've launched music, the Stay album, and the Remain album that I see is available on Spotify and Apple Music where, yep. where people can get music that, to help meditate, right, um, for these moments. Uh, tell us a bit more about those albums. 
Right. So those albums, because sometimes people find it really hard to be maybe in silence, but I didn't want them to necessarily go into God's presence listening to a worship album because mm. the lyrics themselves, are, you know, can can maybe distract you from what God is actually saying. Because it, it, the point is to listen mm. to what to what God's saying. So I cre- we created this um, instrumental. It has tiny bits of lyrics here and there, but largely instrumental, so that it's just something in the background that can actually create an atmosphere where you can you can spend your time with God. But also, um, Heinz, I'm also launching some guided meditations where I actually walk the, the listener into the presence of God, um, so that they can have times with themselves because you know a lot of people say oh this should be easy but actually spending time with God not saying anything just listening for prolonged periods of time is a really hard thing to do everything in you doesn't want to do it yeah because it's productive and you're not ticking off your your to-do list and you feel like you know you're, you're you should be doing something else so it's tough so I've done a guided meditation that actually helps people, um, puts a tool in their hands so they can have their own experience meditating in God's presence. That's awesome. Is that available already or are you still working on that? Um, I've got one. It's You can find it on our YouTube channel. Okay, great. Um, it's one on the faithfulness of God, but I will be bringing out um, a podcast with guided meditations in the next month or so. Wonderful. Well, uh, to those listening and watching, the all her contact details, website details, and all that stuff is in this post. So you can just go click on her website and and go follow those links and and uh, go get the music and start exercising. I almost want to say to to, to stay in God's presence. Um, I I found the same in my life that it, it actually takes effort to just get get to that place. Um, I know there's this one verse in I think it's Hebrews. Four, where it says labor to enter his rest. Um, right. There's, 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 a, there's a bit of that sacrificing, laying down. And, and we're living, a, I mean, even more so than ever before, a, uh, you know, everything has to happen fast and quick. And now uh, we want to we get results now. <laughs> and we almost want to hold God to the same standard. And he's like, no, no, <laughs> come and rest. Come and be with me. Uh, I've got this amazing. Well, I- Sorry, yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to highlight that scripture in John 15 where it says, remain in me and I will remain in you. Mm. Without me, you can do nothing. Yeah. So I think that we have to understand that that if we don't, this is when we're talking about staying in his presence, it's about learning how to do that scripture, how to remain so that he is our fuel, so he is our source, he is our strength for everything so that we don't go off on our own thinking we're, we're doing it in our own strength. In fact, he actually says that without his, his his presence, we can do nothing. And so for every single one of us, we don't want to do nothing. Mm. We want to we want to do things that, you know, that are fueled and have eternal value. Amen. That's it. So, yeah. Yeah, Your when thing. he says nothing, he doesn't mean nothing in the sense of sitting still it's it means nothing of eternal value and i think that's right. that's so key as far as to have that focus well sophia i can chat to you all day um but we've come to the mm-hmm. end of an hour already i can't believe it um wow. I, I would love for you to to maybe if you have something on your heart to share right now uh with people listening and watching and then uh maybe end off in a prayer for those that are watching and listening and then i will end off with a prayer for you as well great I want to just talk to everybody who is watching and you are maybe in a really tough place, that you are in your storm the way we've been talking about in this pandemic, in this lockdown, and perhaps you're feeling invisible, perhaps you're feeling um, hopeless and powerless against the things that, that you feel are coming against you, and I just want to encourage you with all my heart that there is always hope because there's always Jesus and he is right there with you. And when you turn to him, he is already turning to you. He's the one who, he's the one who goes first. He's, he's, 
He's actually pursuing you even now, even before you turn your face towards him. But I just want to encourage you that there is hope, there is power, there is strength to be found in this season, in his presence, in him. So let me pray for you right now. Father, I just thank you for all the people who are watching and for those who feel like they're in their own personal storm where they feel powerless and hopeless. Lord, I pray that you would embrace them as they turn their face towards you, as they look to you for hope and for strength and for guidance. Lord, I pray that you would show them who you are, that you would reveal just how you, how much they are loved, how much they are cherished by you, how much you have done on their behalf, and how much, Lord, they can um, they can seek refuge in you and find the strength to meet every day, every circumstance, every challenge, and overcome. Lord, I pray for miracles in this season. Mm. I pray for the overcoming. I pray for those stories where people look and say, I don't know how you've done it, how you have how you can speak the way you speak with such hope, how you can do what you're doing with such um, strength. I pray, Lord God, that many will come to know you as a result of every single one of us finding our hope and strength in you. Amen. Amen. Lord, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for Sophia, for her husband, Glenn, for their marriage, their family, their ministry, for the world shakers that they are. Thank you for Audacious Church and thank you for what they're doing for your kingdom in that nation and in that continent. Lord, I pray that you will keep on blessing them, protecting them, guiding them, helping them. I pray for wisdom upon wisdom, that you will take them from strength to strength and glory to glory in their marriage, in their family, and in their church. And Lord, I pray that, that you will keep on downloading powerful messages, powerful truths um, straight from your throne room into their hearts and minds to share with the people that are following them and that we can see a generation turn to you in that city and in that nation. Lord, I thank you that this will be a year where you will just keep on building and adding and that they will see a great supernatural increase in that which you've called them to do. We pray that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Sophia, Amen. thank you so much for your heart. Yeah, I've enjoyed myself and um, delighted to be with you and all the best for Love Key Church. Thank you so much. We really appreciate that. Um, and for those listening uh, and watching that may be in your area or are just, you know, looking for a place to get some good content, you can go to their website as well. They've got a great, beautiful website um, where you can get all kinds of things that they're doing, uh, all kinds of teachings. Uh, they call it preachings. I kind of like that. Preachers, sorry. They call it preachers. <laughs> really cool. Uh, so make sure you, you check out their website. And if you are in that area ever, make sure to visit Audacious Church. Powerful place to be. Uh, Sophia, thank you very much. God bless you and your, your husband. And uh, I hope to see you guys very soon. Thank you so much. I'm just going to say goodbye to people here. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Wow, what a session with Sophia Barrett. Thank you so much for joining us today for Love Unlocks Live Sessions. I'm inspired and encouraged. I hope that you are too. Please remember to subscribe, to like, to share, to make sure that this gets out to as many people as possible. And remember, we're also going to put this out as a podcast afterwards. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast as well. And remember that Love Key Church is, is online now. Uh, this, Saturday, this Sunday we'll be live again at 10 a.m. So please join us for that. We are going to share a message about encountering God. Uh, we've, we're having a fasting weekend at the moment, so you can join us in that and be part of it. Please go and like our pages on social media and, uh, and keep following and checking out what's going on here. We love you. We appreciate you. Know that God loves you and that, not, there is, that, that whatever you are facing and going through right now, God's love can unlock it. Thank you so much. Thanks for all the comments. Thanks for the feedback. We really appreciate you guys. 
Thank you so much. Tomorrow, I'm chatting to an amazing man, Alvain Ace. He, uh, he was a professional rugby player who was in a horrific car accident. He's a paraplegic now, but he's become an Ironman. He has sw swam from uh, an amazing distance in the ocean. That's a new world record for a paraplegic. He is, loves Jesus. He's got a great testimony. So please join me tomorrow at one o'clock on Love Unlocks live sessions to hear his story. God bless you. Have a great day. Bye-bye.